he is here today. Amen. What a day. What a day. What a day. It's Tuesday, so we got the demon slaying, homecoming legend, fried chicken eating Pastor Josh Milburn. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right, brother. How are you guys? I'm going to do a shirt one day. Yeah, I know you said I'm gonna, you was. I'm going right. I'm going to adapt the shirt, though. Like, <laughs> you know, there's already one similar to it, yeah. but I'm going to add a couple You're of flare points. It. All right, then. No, I mean, it was a little foggy coming in, down here this morning. I know, uh, you know, and it stuck on the windshield a little bit, so yeah. I had to get all that little bit of ice off but aren't you glad you don't need rudolph to guide the way because we have christ guiding the way <laughs> that's right i'm thankful i got my trust in christ and not rudolph i'll tell you that for sure oh man you're gonna get started again today on that from oh. yesterday ain't you oh no yeah. i just <laughs> christmas is christmas um uh natalie grant was singing that one song gratitude during christmas time one time yeah and she said christmas is in my heart She's talking about, you know, Jesus is in her heart, and yeah. he's the reason for the season. That's so right. Christmas That's is right. in my heart. Yeah, I know we was uh, talking a while ago before he got on or whatever. It seemed like every weekend, I mean, Dad said December. I said, yeah, it's here. I said, you count up everything got to do from the weekends on out. And, I mean, it's, it'll be here and gone before you know it. So, yeah, every weekend's full already. So. I'm keeping mine clear. I'm on this simplifying life thing. Uh, well, uh, it's all right, but I'm thankful. You know, I told them at church, I said, I'm thankful that I got um, my grandparents and everybody kind of still living and still pretty healthy, to yeah. be honest with you. And I'm able to go to as many as I can. Sometimes it can be tiring, but then again, uh, you know, got a got kind of my family got bigger this year with mm -hmm. my son-in-law and uh you know kind of working around some of his stuff that he yeah. does at his family than what we do so you know gonna make it work make it work can already so, get even bigger you ain't kidding it won't be long nope. yeah won't be long be a little bit bigger so yeah i mean yeah. i always hate it when i have to go to other people's house and fellowship and have fun and <laughs> eat good food and it's a hard and not have life. to clean up just leave right yep just <laughs> you just leave <laughs> You just leave. That's all we do. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of these, you know, I go to different places, and that's what I do. We do, I mean, when you have uh, 40 or 50 people there and everybody just jumps in there, it's hard to, you know, if somebody else wants to jump in and help and do whatever, it's like, all right, mm. I guess I'll lay back on this one. So, but no. <laughs> no, I really don't nap. I told you. I mean, you guys great, so I really... You don't nap. Every yeah. now and then I doze off. Well, she would come in here and sit down. I would ask her. I know it. I know it. So. Two extra chairs. <laughs> well, we needed her the other day. For yeah, a I heard y'all talk about it last night or yesterday, and then Brother Aaron said, I'm not going to believe it until she comes in here yep. and sits down. <laughs> yep. Yep. I had to sit right there. <laughs> and I was going to, it's one of them things when you're listening or whatever, you think, I need to send that to them. But by the time you get to it and send it, it's almost like it's done, gone and passed. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, that'd be all right. So. But no, it's been a, been a really, uh, you know, Brother Aaron, if you don't care this morning, why don't we start out in prayer? Because sure. I, know, I don't know about you guys, but we at our church, we had several out this weekend uh, because of sickness and different things. And so uh, anyway, I just want to, I feel led to yeah. pray over them and everybody, our community <clears throat> and things going on. So mm -hmm. let's pray. 
Lord, we come to you right now. We just thank you, Lord, for another wonderful day that you've given us. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity that we have, Lord God, each and every day, Lord Jesus, to uh, to be a voice for you. And Lord, I know, Lord God, that we have many people right now, Lord Jesus, that are battling different sicknesses and different things within their body. Lord, it seems like it just goes from one to the other, Lord Jesus, but we proclaim it in the name of Jesus to be gone, Lord Jesus, that you would take care of each and every situation. Lord, it may be different kinds of sicknesses it may be Lord Jesus something else that's going on within our bodies or whatever it is but we speak to that disease we speak to that infirmity in our bodies right now Lord God that you'd move in a mighty way upon our churches upon our communities upon each and every our families and each and every one that we're around on a daily basis Lord I know Lord God that you are a healer and we proclaim healing upon those that are battling diseases or battling cancer or whatever it may be Lord God we speak to that right now Lord God and we command it to come out of our bodies in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen and Amen. Amen. So, well, we have a couple. Well, so no, hold on, Hannah. How was your How's your day? I don't want to skip you. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. We had a good young adult group last night. It was good to see everybody. Still a pretty full group because we had no pizza left. Last time we had like a box left over and this time we had none. And they were saying they could go for another. So we're like, well, we're going to have to step this thing up. <laughs> yep. Man, oh man. Now, did Aaron, did you go get pizza last night? No, I stayed away from everybody. I wasn't uh, feeling well. I hear you. So, I, hear you. Um, I just kind of, I, I walked through a couple of times. We had to bring some groceries up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. It's it's fun being in the basement. <laughs> I felt bad because so I now, knew y'all were trying to lay low, but then everybody was staring at you <laughs> as I was talking about the scripture, and I was like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> but it was, it was so. Good. Hannah, do you kind of lead that as well as uh, in scripture and stuff like that? Me or? and Ethan kind of lead together. I'll usually okay. I will usually like come up with something that the Lord's put on my heart. Yeah, and find some scripture to kind of start off of and then we kind of um ethan will kind of lead with me he'll put some some stuff the lord has shown him on that scripture he'll talk and then everybody will kind of join in in their input so it's really a group effort like it's a sharpening of everybody we kind of just bounce off of one another um and sometimes we end up um, into just life conversations and right. things like that, but it's all kind of based off of scripture usually. Yeah. And actually, yesterday um, we were we're also it's more of like a life group because we are encouraging one another, talking about our struggles with our Christian walk, not just our struggles in general, right. but our struggles when it comes to our Christian walk and how we how we can be better in our Christian walk. Um, and so, something we talked about yesterday was getting in our word consistently. And not getting complacent with the way that we're reading our word and studying. Because there was a lot that we're talking about how, you know, most of their Christian walk, they've just read the Bible just to read. But then they're not retaining what they're reading. Yeah. And so we were talking about, um, and I'm thankful for Box 2, Mornings with Box 2, because I was able to kind of, and I think Ethan and I both have learned a lot from our Bible studies in the mornings. Uh just tools to kind of pick up and like share with other people of how to study and stuff like that so we talked a lot about you know meditating on on a line upon line and verse upon verse and even if you aren't reading now there was one guy that talked about (laughs) he said a pastor was challenging him 
and his congregation to read 39 chapters a day. 39 a day. Wow. So he's been reading 30. Man. He, he's committing to reading 39 chapters wow. a day. <laughs> or not a day, sorry, a month. 39 chapters. No? It's the, a day. No, no, the Bible in a month. So reading through the Bible every month. So th- it would be 39 chapters each day. So in keep. order to read through the Bible in a month, you got to read 39 yes. chapters a day. Yes, and then they're right. they're going to continue doing it each month. So that he said that's what he was doing, and everybody else in the group, I saw their face, their eyes got yeah. so big. And <laughs> About like my face is now, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my I was like, okay. Yeah, and um, I don't know where they, who, who got it or whatever, but I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, I think you're going to be so determined just to read through it. Like, yeah. Well, uh. what he said, though, he said he's not reading it as in like sitting down reading it. He's listening to it. Okay. So he said he's still doing his like normal study where he's doing like, yeah, smaller verses or less at a time and, and studying it. But he said he was listening to that many chapters a day instead of listening to like worship music. Mm-hmm. Like I he's going to start listening to it on yeah. his phone. So I thought, I told him I think that was good because I think it's good to get the word in us. As, but we also, Ethan was talking about the importance of study. And he, yeah. was, ta- he was talking about just the ways that he's um, started to study because for him, he says whenever he just reads, he doesn't retain as much. He, yeah. Um, but he he really wants to understand it. He <laughs> and he was talking about how it's hard to read without wanting to study it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good. Um, that's so, good. but yeah. we just kind of there were things that you know, you never know what your brothers and sisters know or what they don't know. Yeah. And and I've learned that like to not assume that everybody knows something or not even say well everybody probably knows this. I, and and I, I tend to do that sometimes. But there was a few things like the whole the whole group didn't know that. The Old Testament it was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. Wow. The whole group didn't know that. Right. There were some people that knew it, but the whole group didn't. Yeah. Um, and there were some other things, too, like the Strong's Concordance. Honestly, the majority of the group did not know what the Strong's Concordance was. They yeah. they knew that you could look into the the original um, languages and look into the, the meaning, but they did not know that the Strong's was how it was set up for you to yep. look into it. Right. And so there was just things like that that, you know, I think we forget to, like, check and see yeah. if people know those resources and stuff. So it was a good, profitable conversation. No, nah, it's a good point as far as, you know, I think I'm into that mode sometimes, Hannah, thinking that because um, I've seen people, are, you know, at our church for so many years, and sometimes when I'm preaching or teaching, I'll say, well, but we know this. But then again, you hear people say, no, I really didn't know it that way. Or, you know, you expounded it to me a little bit better than what I thought it meant. You know, so I think for many times because we've grown up in church or grown up this way, we think that we assume that, well, we all should know this. Well, we might should have, but do we? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. And then, of course, there's always more tools and resources coming out. Right. Um, For instance, the... In seminaries and Bible schools, the standard, I don't even think, is the Strong's Accordance no more. I think it's switched. Um, wow. I think they use something called the Muntze, uh-huh. and I think it's Muntze. I think now, that's how you, you said it. Yeah, I have it, it too. Have it? Is that right? um, I actually like it better myself, too. Wow. And this is the only reason I do. Now, this is, I think that one's centered more just with Greek, though. Yeah. Um, but it's a little bit more pointedly. Okay. So, like, the Greek, I mean, the strong sometimes gives you a bunch of different options. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. 
I think the months A is kind of more pointed and precise. Like, okay. Can, can parallel to other ways it's used in other scriptures. This is probably, it's more detailed, I think, a little bit with its word. Um, yeah, because you can get in a strong sometimes when you look up a word. You can get kind of get lost in it a little bit. Yeah. If you're not really, you know, because sometimes I'll try to, you know, it'll have a long list. And so sometimes I'll try to pick one and say, okay, that kind of, I can relate to that yeah. one a little bit, what it's saying. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing with the Strongs is remember that. But then also the months say, and I hope I'm saying that right. I don't know. I had the book. I just, right. um, it's it's a, it's a it's kind of similar to the Strongs. But really months say and vines are about the same thing. And if you don't have a vines, you should probably have a vines too. Um, and, of course, your vines is your, is your Greek dictionary. And um, so you can look up a word like, grace and it's going to show you what that word in grace is and what the other all the different words used in the grace for grace in the greek are so it's a that's where it gets fun like you don't have to read greek to actually understand probably what the greek word is saying and that's yeah. the, the beautiful beautiful thing about resources and tools and how much accessibility we have today and um i mean even like that bible you got josh is just is tremendous because you don't have to pull a bunch of different that's books true. you can just go to the back yeah and of course, it's only the keywords. So right. if you get a Strong's, there's more in it. There is more, yeah. But that one's the keywords, and that one pulls you through really well. On well, a lot it of helps me when I'm uh, when I actually hear, or mm -hmm. when I'm uh, actually got it in front of me at home, or whatever. You know, I'll say, "All right, so what's that?" But now, if there's another word, I got my Strong's there, or sure. whatever. Like I said, most time you got your phone there by yep. you, so you can look it up. But for whatever reason, Hannah, I'll have my phone beside my Bible or there with me. And then, like, if I see a word that I really want to dive in deep instead of getting my phone out, I'll go to my cabinet there where I got my Bible stuff, and I'll grab my Strong's out, and I'll get it, because I love, I like doing that. I really mm -hmm. do. Well, it so. really does save you a step, because something that the young adults were talking about, they just look things up, too, on yeah. Google. And mm -hmm. you can do that, but there's sometimes you might not end up on a reliable source. Right. You know, depending on if you're just clicking on whatever thing pops up. I mean, you could be clicking on a dictionary or something that's really not or accurate. I got or, Wikipedia. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they all know. I didn't give the Wikipedia speech. but <laughs> Hopefully they know that. But, um, but, yeah, I just I think it's helpful, these apps like the Bible Hub app and, like, the Strongs. And I think you have to pay for the Strongs app, but. Um, it's just helpful to have tools like that or the actual books yeah. because it just saves you all those steps of having to wonder, is this right? Is this not right? Yeah. 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 I think it's just extraordinary since I started studying the Bible 18 years ago. I remember when I first started studying, I was thinking, man, this would be really helpful to have an app for this. Because, you know, iPhone was just coming in, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what if they had this? Or what do you could do this? And now it does. And it is pretty it's pretty astounding that you could go to like Logos Bible software, and this is no form of advertisement for Logos. I'm just saying um, Logos. And, you know, if you want to put money into it, you yeah. could literally have $30,000 worth of, of a library easily just in your pocket. Yeah. Just in your pocket. Wow. And just to think of all the men and women of God that's died to even get a Bible in their hand just the bible no right. bible reference no yeah. study bible nothing how many people died for that to happen in the english and yet we have the ability possibility and the honor and the privilege to have an unlimited amount of resources in our pocket yep carrying anywhere everywhere and yet the indictment 
is those people that died because they didn't even have a Bible and they were trying to get a Bible yeah. knew just as much, if not more, about the Bible than we know today. Yep. That's wow. And they didn't even have a Bible. They were just so hungry they wouldn't stop asking questions. That's right. And they died so they can get the Bible in everybody's hand. Yep. And we have everything we want and more, and yet there's probably never been more of a biblical ignorant yep. generation. And I don't say you, that mean. That's stupid. No, no it's not mean. It's just right. not knowing. Right. You think that's the reason why people don't ask questions as much anymore? Because they've got resources right there in their hand that they can kind of look it up themselves if they really want to know something? I think that's one of them. Um, I think a lot of people don't ask questions because the enemy's done a very good job of getting us distracted distracted by busy yeah. body stuff. And this and, is for me as well. I mean, I think maybe a lot of times that people don't ask questions is maybe that <laughs> me, myself— maybe not know how to truly answer it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can give them maybe of how I feel as if maybe why it's this thing or why it's that thing or why, or can I go to the Word and really tell them, okay, this is why it's like that. You know, I yeah. think oftentimes it's a, it's a, uh, it's a maybe a lack of maybe study in my part of not really knowing you know, what I need to tell them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why it's important for us to, you know, as you come in scriptures about be instant in season, out of season, you know, be ready to give an answer. And I mean, I even heard last week somebody preaching. He said, listen, there's nothing wrong. I, I forgot exactly who it was, but he said, there's nothing wrong with not knowing. He said, but over a period of years, what has happened is people, instead of saying, hey, I just don't know. They've started to insert their opinion, just elaborate on what they think instead of really giving what the word says. Mm -hmm. And so help me, Lord, to do that. Help me to yeah. give what the word says and not just elaborate what yep. I think. That and they said, I don't know. And 10 years later, they still don't know. Yeah, there you go. And that's that's another problem. But and I mean, I'm not talking to anything that I'm not talking to myself. Right. About because I, well, I mean, me too. I mean, we're we do this a lot. Yeah. And every once in a while, you start to feel like the spatula is hitting the bottom of the barrel and there's not much water left and you have to put some more water back in from the study. So I get it like 100%. We're not saying we've arrived at all. I'm saying I think the Lord has to give us a hunger for his word again. Yeah. And make us stir passion because we're so distracted by busybody stuff and this. And we're mesmerized by anything other than the word because at the end of the day, I think we've done it injustice to the Bible because... We have made it philosophical, and we've made it too personal. And people's going to hate when I say that because they're going to be like, it is personal. And what I mean by that is what happens so often is we sit down, and I don't know if Hannah and them do this because they sit in a circle, so I'm not speaking on Hannah and them. <laughs> but a lot of times we sit in a circle, we take a verse, and we just say, well, what does this verse mean to you? And there couldn't be more of a dangerous thing to do. And this is why what well, doesn't matter what it means to you. It matters what it means. And you can make it mean anything you want to make it mean. Yeah. But at the end of the day, our pursuit should be what does it really mean? And yeah. then once we get the principle being taught or the meaning being described, then we can bring it into application. Mm -hmm. But you. we can't, too often we skip the meaning of the text. So we really don't even know what the Bible's saying. We just know how we're always interpreting it. Because everybody's got a different meaning for everything, seems like. Yes. Yeah. We covered that last meaning. night, first thing we were... Because there were some questions about um, different translations and how the grammar and different, uh, like, so I think it was Billy Graham that one of the young adults had said, pointed out um, a scripture, and I don't know if this was actually Billy Graham, but this is just what they said, 
Um, I think it was Psalms 53, maybe. We looked it up. But basically how the, the translation said one thing. Said, like, in your heart you have sinned or something like that and then when they went to the the hebrew it changed the grammar of it like the hebrew changed the complete meaning of that verse and so their question was you know is that happening all throughout the bible because of how they translated it from the original text and so we talked about like we look actually looked at that scripture and we came to we all came to the agreement I mean and we can look at it today maybe after the break but the grammar of the actual original text did not change the meaning of that like it it was a little bit different but it was not changing the what the word was saying Mm -hmm. it was talking about in your heart the heart is wicked or something like that like the principle of it was still the same it was just a little bit of the grammar was different and so we were talking about how like the word doesn't change like it was the same yesterday it's the same today it's the same forever because jesus is the word and jesus doesn't change so Mm -hmm. we were we were establishing that that like we don't have to fear that the word isn't what it says it is like we have to trust that it's divinely inspired it is true and it's been preserved Mm -hmm. throughout all of these translations throughout everything and that the principle is still there and we talked about like how there's one there's one meaning yeah. to, to well, each scripture. <clears throat> this is where it gets hard in translation and transliteration and all of these things that we have surfacing around the the Bible is that the Hebrew and the Greek are much better languages than English is. Mm-hmm. And so the English English we don't have basically and we're a weird language because we're one of the few that doesn't we don't have uh, masculine and feminine language. So it's just you. Now we do have he and she, but I'm I'm saying in the sense of like you can use the same word in a feminine or a masculine sense in Spanish and other ones too, and you go back to the Greek and the Hebrew, and their grammar so different. So when we're trying to translate it from the Hebrew and the Greek, then especially the Hebrew grammar will be changed to an extent, and and there's no way around that because English is such a weird language. Um, And uh, I don't know. I I think most people will say this, honestly. English is probably one of the worst languages in the history of the world because it's it's too big. It's ambiguous a lot of times. Yeah, it's just... There can be so many different meanings for one word. It's huge. And, like, but then you get into King James, and, you know, there's a lot of things the King James... Now, people's going to applaud me on this. They're going to finally... Aaron's getting a revelation. There is... (laughs) There is a lot of things the King James did well. And that we don't do well today necessarily, but the things they did well, and I'm just trying to study into this myself. And I was actually watching another video Sunday because I'm trying to get my whole brain around this um, whole newer translation, King James, all this debate. Because I get asked the question so much, so I want to make sure I'm on point with what I say. But like, you know, you get into the the King James and you talk about the yeas and the thous and the um, these and all this and how... You know, if they use certain words, we in our language, because oh, we're I'm I'm killing time. Sorry, no. I'm, I got to do it. So we in our language, the English we speak today is different than the King James language. It's it's similar because it's the same syllables, but it's a different language. When we say a word, they didn't mean that back then. 
Um, and so like study to show yourself approved. That word study not necessarily is mean study. It means be diligent. Be diligent. And that's how it would translate into our modern day English. So this is where it gets a little bit difficult. So we don't understand the old English enough to understand that at times, like the yeas and the thous and the thuses, that actually is talking about singular and plural. And that's all that is. That's a grammar for plural and singular. We don't talk like that, so it makes it really hard. So even when translated from the old English, I mean, from the Greek and the Hebrew into that, they were more precise than probably we are today in some areas. But then there's some areas that make the King James very difficult because we take words we 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 interpret today as what we mean but that's not what they meant in old english yeah that's why a lot of times when i read um king james i have to find the definitions of those words yeah like i have to find the definition of the king james word in order to understand it so it's almost like you're kind of doing a double or two-step process like you have to figure out what that means and then if you want to go to the source then figure out what the hebrew or the greek means too which this is my greatest issue with a lot of modern texts because you get into the NIV and the TNIV, which I think it even got taken off the shelves and redone because it was so bad at one time. They bring everything out of the grammar of the he, the she, the the um, in exclusivity of the, the gender language being used. And they just bring it into cl- inclusivity. So they take it says the... they a lot. Yeah. Okay. Because it's taking the he and the she out yep. because it's progressive. Yeah, that's the only... Yeah, I don't... I don't like the tones of that being so it almost seems like it's pushing an agenda. It's it's pressing inclusivity. That's yeah. what it's doing. For genders. So but this is the stuff that's technical. Yeah. And this is the stuff that a lot of people if you're going to go back to what the original conversation was about we haven't taken time to really dive into the word. These are the things we miss. And a lot of times in our Bible study, we don't sit in there. And I know people's like, "Well, this is you just need to be taught by the Holy Spirit. Well, yes, you need the Holy Spirit to teach you, but he's given us this word for a reason. So even when I study the word and really get into it, I'm going to look at the noun. I'm going to look at the adjective of the noun. I'm going to look at the verb in the sentence and see what adverbs are being used. That's actually why I was so thankful I taught school over in the academy for seven years, because as much as they were learning English, I was relearning English because my school didn't teach me English. They didn't teach me grammar. They taught me how to write a creative paragraph, but they didn't teach me. I knew nothing about lively verbs. I knew nothing about object of preposition. I didn't know anything about adverbs and adjectives. Yeah. I just knew how to write a creative paragraph. And yeah. and I even made decent grades in English. Yeah. And I came out though with nothing. <clears throat> and so I learned it, but I took that and applied it to my Bible study. Right. So right. now I'm saying, well, this is the noun. This is the op- this is who's receiving the action with the object of preposition. And and so we've got to break this down into technicality. And then what Hannah's talking about with Psalm 53 and other scriptures, there's grammar issues that are in play because it's going from a very good language that's very precise to a language that can mean 18,000 different things for one word. Right. Yeah. And and that's what makes it difficult. And um, But it, it's also we do trust the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Amen. But just don't sit in a circle. And we're not going to get any <laughs> Hebrews done. <laughs> Don't sit in a circle and say, what's this scripture mean to you? Yeah. Sit in a circle and say, what did God mean by this scripture? Right. Because it's right. not about what you want. The question is, what did the Holy Spirit trying to yeah. teach us? Exactly. I mean, even in scripture, a lot of times it'll say, thy son, son. And, you know, a lot of times it says son when it, when it uh, actually directs, a, directs something toward them. 
So in your mind, I mean, I don't know if, but I had some people say, well, why is he always talking about sun? Okay, let's find out what sun is. You look up sun, the concordance or whatever, Strong's, and then sun just means a child. All right, this this don't leave nobody out, okay? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times if you just take it and you just don't really uh, study it out and realize that actually that means just a child. Are you a child of God? Yeah, so this is for you too. This ain't just for a guy a girl thing, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It ain't just for the brethren, it ain't just for the sisters or whatever. Yeah, because there's a lot of people of who will say, they will say, because it says brethren, Yeah, women are out. Or they'll say, son, <laughs> hey, that ain't for me. No, it's for everybody. It says, yeah. you know, let's see what it means. And you go sometimes back and it see. does. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it does. I think but that's. I mean, there's been times that I've preached in the last few months that I've looked it up to where it is that, and it goes back to the word child. Yeah. And that's what it is. Yeah. So. But I think that's where the diligence is due. To show yourself approved. Yeah. Because in that regard, there is sometimes it would mean, like when it says like man, for the man, humanity. Yes. yes. But then it's sometimes saying man. And that's yeah. where we have to be careful because this is where we at. The Greek would have used specific words right. and it would have used different words. We use the same word. Okay. I got you. Does that make sense? No, I mean, it does. It does. We, so the Greek would have had a, when, when Paul would have wrote that, like in First Timothy, when he's yeah. talking about men, or Titus. Yep. When he says man, it would have been in a different Greek word than if he would have said something in the regard about humanity. And so mm -hmm. I think that's where it gets different, difficult because the Greek and the Hebrew had precise words. We have words that can be used for many different things amen and so that's where it gets a little bit tricky at and that's where our due diligence comes in at on diving into the text and i'll be honest we haven't done always well um and sometimes we get to preaching and teaching and get stirred up and then we right. get just going and then we say something and we feel like maybe it's by the holy spirit then we get out of it and like is that even scriptural like yeah. i need to check myself and there's been times I had to come back and reword a phrase the next week. And I've done that several times because yeah. I, I want to be a person that if I say something wrong, I know that my words have weight on Sunday morning, not because they're me, but because of the position. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I'm diligent to correct that if I right. say something wrong. And I mean, actually, to be honest with you, and when you do that, you'll, uh, you know, you'll find more, um, I don't know, honor and you know people respect you more and thinking hey you know because sometimes when you're put in a position like brother aaron or even myself sometimes you'll get a mindset of oh they just no we ain't got it all to get and we're just working on it yeah. we're working and we're growing too i mean mm -hmm. we may know a little bit more and they study more our calling may be different than others but still yet at the end of the day hey we're human just like everybody else is and so i walk I don't. I think I'm like middle of the pack in my at Bethel. I mean, yeah, right. there's a lot of people that know a lot of scripture. I'm the middle of the pack. Awesome. That's all right, bro. That's awesome. I'm not playing awesome. Bible trivia with half the church. <laughs> I'm going. You're, going. you're going to save that for your kid. For your kid. I'm class, going huh? to the elementary class. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. I'm oh, going to the element. There ain't no. I, you couldn't. You couldn't pay me to sit at a table and play Bible trivia, against brother. Miss Jerry and Miss Gretchen. Yeah, and and them. They would smoke me. <laughs> hey, like awesome. it, would, it would be an embarrassment. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> they yeah. would destroy me in Bible trivia. Yeah. 
All right, uh, let's do our first question of the day, getting ready for this drawing on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, sometimes this week. <laughs> it's going to happen sometimes this week. Tuesday, question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who was the sorcerer on the island of Paphos that Paul encountered and stood against Paul? Who was the sorcerer on the island of Paphos that Paul encountered and stood against Paul? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here on this December fifth. What was you going to say? I was surprised. I don't oh, know. It's, <laughs> it's like I was going to say January. Wow, that I'm ready for 2024. He's it. <laughs> I'm ready for 2024. Yep. Um, let me just run off a quick announcements real fast. Yes. We've got Christmas Cantata December 15th mm-hmm. at Pleasant View. We've got our Christmas play here at 6 o'clock p.m. on December 13th. Walk Through the Bible Wax Museum December 9th starting at 6 to 8 with Chili Supper free of charge. No admission tickets. Clarks Community Church there. Um, that's this Saturday. Um, and then we also have two ball games this week, Thursday and Friday night. Thursday is also going to be the first and only of this season, as far as I know, volleyball game. Yep. Um, we've already completed our season. We did away games this year because we didn't have a volleyball net. But now, by God's grace and God's goodness and all of those girls' hard work, um, combined with God's grace and goodness, um, we have a volleyball net. And we drilled the holes, and that was so fun. Um, we we sent a picture to Justin <laughs> of us drilling the holes, and he was there within a minute. Um, <laughs> I bet he was. <laughs> and so um, we got that done, and it's just a blessing. So I'm really excited for those girls to get to have yep. opportunity to play at least one home game this year. That's awesome. And then we'll go right into the JV and varsity boys game right after. And, yep. Um, and then we've got another game Friday night, I think, against Legacy at yep. home. And that'll be it for the rest of this year until until we come back from Christmas break. Now, that's yep. not the season. It's just as for 2023, we'll have no more home You're games right. after that. And then we're going to have a middle school team. Yep. And Ethan's um, husband is pre- teaching it. I is mean, right? coaching it. Is he coaching it? Uh-huh. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. We um, When we was at Cracker Barrel Sunday night with a few um, great men and women of God, um, we were introducing everybody, and Hannah got to meet Philip Trent and, and them. I, that was the first time I ever got the honor and pleasure to meet Miss Linda, his wife. So um had a great time just meeting everybody, yeah. really getting to talk to people. I've never really got to talk to them much outside of just here. Just having to do um, with radio or whatever. And so it was a wonderful evening, but we just told everybody about Ethan. We didn't even – I didn't even say Ethan's name later. This is his husband. Uh <laughs> That's, a, that's Hannah's husband. That's just what we call him. Uh, <laughs> Renee knew his name. We, we were sitting down there with Renee and her husband, Kenny. Yeah, that's awesome. No, they so. they found out his name yeah. eventually. Which Miss yeah. Gretchen had said that Kenny reminded her of Ethan, Miss Renee's husband. Uh-huh. So we it was funny. We ended up sitting by them. There you go. But, yeah. And, uh, now, it is Bethel, Bethel does have an away game tonight, though. They do. They yep. do. They're so away they tonight. They go to Louisville. Yeah, it's in Louisville. Who are they playing today? They're playing Academy, I think. Academy, AIE. AIE. Yep. So. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, I think Ethan's got his first practice with the middle school team tonight, too. So exciting times. Nolan and Jackson are so excited. Nolan worked worked out yesterday with a a weight and everything. He's he's getting ready. He's pumped up, buddy. That's awesome. (laughs) Yes, that is. Yeah, now he only refers to Ethan as coach, I think. Hey, coach. Wow, that's cool. But but I do have a problem. What? And we're going to get into some Bible question after this. Um, so we we went to Cave City, did that, come home, and Hannah and Ethan come up to the house, and Ivy pretty much walked straight past me to Ethan. Huh. Just just ignores me. <laughs> yep. Because she loves Ethan. I, I mean, she <laughs> loves Ethan, and she's even saying Ethan's name. She really, is. really. Oh my goodness. And she just walked right past me. She ignored me like <laughs> I didn't exist. <laughs> And she just stares at Ethan. <laughs> man, oh man. That's crazy. He must be feeding her Mountain Dew or something yeah. behind the scenes here. Like, <laughs> That's right. Feeding her candy. That's it. That's it. So. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if to take it personal or or just be grateful that she loves him so much. Yeah. <laughs> just be grateful about it. She'll know you, Dad. You, yeah. you, uh, you're always there for us. So. We know <laughs> you have an extra babysitter now. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, she won't go to sleep. <laughs> Come play games with her. All right, uh, let's do this one. Uh, we didn't get to many questions yesterday. Just really we did one, and it was a good conversation. But is there a particular reason the one talent that was buried was given to the servant who already had ten? Um, so the story goes in the parable. If somebody wants to find the scriptural reference for that, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I apologize. I should know it right there, but it's it's in. I I know it's in. There is one in Matthew, right? Yes, I, which, I think. Think there's. Well, that's where I was turned to Matthew, but I don't know exactly. I, but I, was it the Sermon on the Mount? He talks. I don't think it was. Was no. this the burying no. the talents? Or yeah. So one one servant got one talent. One got five, and one got ten. Now, the one with the five and the ten, they doubled theirs. The yep. one with the one, they buried theirs. And when they buried it, now the master came back, and the one buried his pretty much out of fear. Um, is yep. it Matthew 25? Sounds right. I don't think it was. I didn't think it was earlier. Uh, the parable of the talents <coughs> is Matthew twenty five fourteen. Yeah. Okay. And so they bury it. Now, he, he does give the master back one. The other ones, though, doubled theirs. And the master basically rebuked that one. And can you tell me what the master says when he comes back? Um, when the master comes back. It may not even use the word master. Does it use the word master? Oh, but the Lord answered and said. The Lord. To him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent and give it to him who has ten. Mm-hmm. Now, the one who has ten, we know, doubled his, right? Yeah. Cause he, yeah. Now, the question is, what is there a reason for the one talent going to the one with the ten? Um. This is just a matter of conversation, really. Yeah, I think this we can only postulate here. Right. Um, I mean, that's what I would think. Yeah. Um, but what's your take on it? Well, the next verse says, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Yeah. 
I think the one with the 10 got it because he had the greatest increase. And he could be trusted with the most. That's what I would think. That would be my initial take on it. Um, Because, listen, when you give somebody something and you see them actually activating what you've given them, if you go to give anything else, you're actually wanting whatever you give to produce more. Yeah. Okay? That don't mean nothing, you know, other than, hey, the one that had the five, he also done great, too. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, still yet, you still the production <laughs> of what's going to come forth, hey, needs to be given to the one that's going to give out give out more or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, that would be my personal, my personal take on it as well as that. Because he just done, he already done said one. He says, "Well done, that good and faithful servant. Well done." He said to both of them, the both of them that had the five and had the two. He said he counted them both. He said, "Well done," in verse twenty one, and also in verse twenty three, they were both well done and good and faithful servant because of what they actually done what they were supposed to do with it. But then because of uh, the one not doing what he said, all right, I'm going to take from you and I'm going to give it to this one. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Well, he says you wicked and lazy servant. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wicked and lazy. So he didn't steward. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. He just kind of set on what God did. And I think. But it so- says he was afraid to. Sorry. No, no, you're good. No, you're fine. <laughs> it says he was afraid. Yep. He was and afraid. That, and that's why he hid it. Because he's afraid he's going to lose it. Yeah. So he didn't do nothing with it. Yeah. And and really, in, in reality, I think I'm going to kind of modernize this for a second. God's not into participation trophies. That's right. He's not. Like, he's really not. Like, now, we're not talking about salvation. Like, take salvation out of the equation here. This ain't whether I'm going to hell or heaven. All right? That's not what, like, for me, when I say participation trophies, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this, that... If he's going to entrust us more, we have to be faithful for what he's trusted us. Um, you will. We in, in college, we always had the saying: "You'll never get the Cadillac until you first can steward the Cavalier." And if you can't steward the Cavalier, he'll never trust you with the Cadillac. Yeah. Now we said that, and we we was talking about cars because we're all teenage boys and we knew cars, right? And young twenties, it was really never about the car. It was just saying, how can he trust us with something of the quality of a Cadillac? If he first can't trust us with the quality of a Cavalier. Yeah. Because a Cavalier is only a quarter of the price of a Cadillac. Right. And so here, how he couldn't trust the one with just one talent. So he took that one talent and gave it to them. And at the end of the day, the important thing here is that God's will's going to get done. Yeah. And, and what he's entrusted you with, if you won't do it, he'll give it to somebody else. Yeah. Talent here means money, right? Because when they used the word talent, they were talking about money usually. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm not saying it has to in be. In the context of this, I'm it not is. saying it has to be restricted yeah. to that. I definitely believe the Lord could be using this to talk about giving us anything or stewarding yeah. anything that He's given us. I think in this context, He's using it's a parable. So they have been very familiar how to handle money. For instance, when he goes to the bankers, he said, you know, you should have put it at the bankers. Now, under Jewish law, you couldn't charge interest to other Jews. So interest was not something you could charge. But if you let a Gentile borrow money, you could charge charge interest. 
So it was wise for Jews to let Gentiles borrow money because now they can make money off the Gentiles' interest. Whereas if they just let each other borrow it, there's no interest made. So he's even telling them in this area, be wise. Be wise with how you're doing this. Multiply what I've been giving you. Use it wisely. I think that's 100% including money. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's talking about our giftings. And it's talking about our life. It's talking even about our salvation. How we steward the salvation that God's given us. Not are we keeping it? Are we upholding it? All this. Like, are we using it? Are we using the benefits of our salvation? Are we using the fruit of the salvation? The fruit of the Spirit? Um, Greg said, a perfect example of that old saying, I'm better than I was and there's never any growth. So people saying, well, I'm not even, because people say I'm not any worse, but they're not even better. They say yeah. I'm better than I was, but that's not necessarily made true. If, if there's been no growth, then everybody else is leaving you behind. Yeah. Right. And, and in that area, you have fallen behind. Yep. Cause you're not growing. And, and if you've been, if you've been born again for 30 years, by that time, there should be substantial growth from the time that you were born again. Yep. And if there's not, what have we done with our talents? Right. If if I if I say I burned for God more at 18 years old when I was born again than I do now at 36, after 18 years of serving the Lord, I've taken my talent and I buried it. And you've hit it. Yep. And He can't trust me with more until until I can steward that one. Yep. Because if you hide it, nobody else can see it. Yeah. But we we're not we don't have a salvation we need to hide. Everybody uh -huh. else must see it. Mm -hmm. So I mean then Rachel texted me a while ago, Hannah, and she said, Talent, yes, money. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's uh kind of what it is. But I mean, often then going back to verse sixteen it says, He that received the five talent went and traded. You know, traded. How do you trade? I mean, but often I went to the word trade and it meant just a labor for and also, one of the meanings about the trade there, Brother Aaron, it said minister about. Mm -hmm. All right. So oftentimes we will relate talents with our money. Yeah. And oftentimes we think that anything that has to be done, we think it's got to have money. All right. But actually, one of the words for traded here, how are you going to trade? Well, you know, that's uh, one of the ways of how you make you make your living or people can work by the sweat of their brow. They can trade, you know, just the way the thing. But one of the things about traded is you minister about. I'm thinking about ministers. I'm thinking about people that lead churches. I'm thinking about people that uh, even all of us in general. You know what I'm saying? When I preach and teach, oftentimes I'll, I'll try to get people to realize that there's somebody out there that needs to hear your testimony. You're a minister. When we're outside these four walls, you're more of a minister just as much as I am because of the life you live about. So, I mean, you need to, and what it is, it's a type of trade. You're telling people, all right, listen, I'm going to I'm going to express to you what the Lord has done for me and hopefully get you to realize that you need a Savior mm -hmm. and that you don't need to be doing the things that you are doing, but you need to be walking closer to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so that, I believe, is a is something that we as Christians, in order, we talk about talents, but then our monies, but what are we doing? What are we trading it for? Are we trading it so we can minister about it? Are we trading it so we can get people to realize who Jesus is? Are we trading it to the point of what? Oftentimes we, you know, it's all about results oftentimes. See, what, what am I seeing going on? What kind of result is taking place? 
you know. But I understand also that oftentimes, you know, the results, you may not all of a sudden see them clearly, but you see them sincerely deep inside of people and see their growth and see their see how they're maturing and see how you know when you begin to be around in public and you be around different people you begin to understand that they'll begin to respect you because of how you what of how you live your life in front of them mm -hmm. so i think that has a key role yeah. in what we do too now we have a few minutes before break um and 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 i do agree with the thing that talent means money i got you but we have to remember, too, it was the parable of the talents. So it was a story about real-life thing they can relate to to and apply it to the principle Jesus was trying to teach them. Okay. And so I don't – and I think one thing we miss in this story a lot because we're always looking at the losing the talent. And I think this is the one thing – I don't know if I've ever heard anybody preach on this, and this is much of an indictment against myself because I don't think I've ever preached on this, and I've preached this text several times. Right is regardless of the quantity that was given, each was expected to multiply. And each of them was expected to create something, do something, multiply it, um, regardless of the quantity that was delivered unto them. Come on. And it doesn't matter because there is people that seem like they've been given big things. And sometimes you feel like, you know... Um, there's people that feel like, well, well, God just has me doing this, and it's small. Like, I don't even know. Like, it's pointless. And then there's some people's like, it's like called to go do 40,000 people crusades. And another one may be called to go and pastor five people in a church in the middle of nowhere, literally. Right. right. Either one of those are not better than each other in the kingdom. That's right. One may have a greater quantity, but both of them are expected to multiply. Yep. And both of them are expected to steward. And the expectation of stewardship doesn't change based upon quantity. Because the Lord would have been happy when he came back if the one became two. Yes. Just as much as he was for the ten to become twenty. Because that's just as great as one plus one is two. Yes. He doubled. Five it was five, never about the quantity right. of the increase. I got you. It was just about the increase. Yep. And... The thing that upset the Lord when he came back was not that he didn't have a lot. Like, the Lord never expected him to catch up to the 20 because that wasn't the goal. The Lord just expected him to multiply. And sometimes we see our small things as as non-important so we don't multiply. Hey, you said 20. Yeah, well, the 10 would have become 20. So no, it's 1, 2, and 5 here. Yeah. Yeah, but the the five became ten, and the ten became twenty. I got you. I got so you now. Okay. He he wasn't expecting the I, one I to catch up to the twenty. Yeah, he was expecting it's, them to just multiply what he's given. Yeah, and I I guess this parable actually has a reference of why sometimes in the past, like a lot of times when you talk with different pastors and different ones, they'll be like, "Oh, how many was the church this morning?" I mean, it's hard to put a number. If you got a bigger church, you ought to put a number in it. But I mean, sometimes I remember at Madrid, like I would say, "Well." you know, uh, 40% of our church was out. You know what I'm saying? But see, even though our number was, just say we have people of 30 back in the day on a yeah. Sunday morning. And if you had 15 people out, that's 50% of your congregation that's out because of sick, going somewhere of this. That's 15, okay? But if you do that, that's 50%. But if you have a church of 300 and 50% is out, that's 150 but still yet, that don't negate the fact that just as if you had 15 out or if you had 150 out, 
it's still, I believe, that's why I think it's spoken the talent here. Understanding that, and also I got this while ago when you was talking, I got that, hey, he expects 100%. Mm-hmm. He expects 100% from me and from you for what we do for the kingdom. And so that's why the one that had the had the two and the five, they doubled it 100%. Yeah. But the other one gave 0%. So more or less, hey, you all in or you nothing. And I'm thankful that we have a group of people that I want to constantly be all in. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Because we got to stop this nonsense that a pastor who grows, who never grows past 25 people wasn't doing their job. Yep. Because that's just not right. Right. They may be doing their job way greater than the person who has 5,000 in his church. Yep. And I think this is what the parable of the talents teaching us right. is that it's never about the quantity of the increase. It's just about the increase and you stewarding what God's given you yep. and he can trust you with more. And I think this is the the beautiful thing about it. Like, um, because at the end of the day, if that one with the 10 wouldn't have stewarded and the one with the one did steward and become two, the one with the 10 buried his, he might be giving the 10 to the one. Yeah. You never know. We're just, we are just responsible to steward what God's given us. Amen. And, and there's times in your life you need to steward the one before you ever try to steward the 10. Right, because if you steward that ten too quick, it may crush you. And so, I I just I love this story. I I think there's so much in this we don't tap into, and I think it speaks a lot because we're in a we are in a day of the church that we gauge everything based upon numbers. Come on, and we've done this for a while now. Yeah, and the mark of whether your church is healthy, successful, and God glorifying is is it big? Stop it. Yeah, I, I mean, I say this on Sunday mornings, and I'm not kidding. Like, if we got down to 12, but it was 12 that was fully sold out, I'm okay. Yeah. Because I'll take 12 sold out over 1,200 that are there for nothing more than a game, a social club, and don't know Christ. That's right. Something I've been using a lot here lately, Brother Aaron, is uh, uh, with different churches. And th- to be honest with you, there's a group of pastors that, group of pastors in my heart right now that I've been praying for every morning. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, well, and one of the words that's come to me about a month or so ago was remnant ready. Mm-hmm. You know, help me when I pray for pastors, whatever, to allow people as leaders to prepare their congregations to be remnant ready. Yeah. Remnant ready. So. Uh, Greg Carwell says 99% faithful is 100% unfaithful. That's good. Wow. Miss awesome. uh, Gale said to me, "It sounds like the servant who received one was making excuses for his laziness. Also, who tells their boss how bad they are? Not the brightest candle in the box, I guess. <laughs> Not the brightest <laughs> candle. Good take. Pretty good take. All right, let's do this. Let's do Thursday question number one. Um, Tuesday question number one, sponsored by the same bike. We'll rerun this because we didn't get an answer yet. Who was the sorcerer on the island of Paphos?" that Paul encountered and stood against Paul. 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here.
All right. Well, I don't know how, but <clears throat> we still, still no don't answer. have an answer. Still don't have an answer. And I left my phone in the kitchen. So if you call, I can't answer right now anyways. Cause, <laughs> I'll go get it. Um, I, I left it in the kitchen. I, I was making some coffee for everybody, and that's I right. left it in the kitchen during the break. Man, oh, man, been, it's a nice, cool day out there. Yeah. And it's Hannah's really just going to get because she wants to go get coffee. That's, it, right? that's what it is. <laughs> that's yeah. what it is. She might want hot chocolate, but I think you uh, you took care of it all. There's you? some hot chocolate in there, too. All right. <laughs> and so I'm excited. We have uh, Senator Steve Meredith coming on here Sounds at 830 right. with us here in just yep. a few minutes. Um, good conversations we have. I know it went off script a little bit on the first part. Do we have a script? Huh? We you told me we didn't. So Not I today. Know. I didn't feel good. Uh. <laughs> no, I do feel as if that we don't get a. I think I'm one of the reasons that Jason fusses on Monday morning sometimes. Said, "Did y'all do any Hebrews last week?" It's Josh Miller's <laughs> fault. It's Josh's fault. <laughs> but anyway, so. no, it was good. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. You want to do some manna? Yeah, I do want to do manna. Huh? Yeah, let's or do what'd manna. You have what do you have going on? No, I, I like manna. Go for it. All right. Well, I'm in Psalms 1, chapter 1, verse 3 this this morning for my manna on Monday that I post every week. Try to post every week on um, my Facebook page. You know, I think I did miss. I've missed one in the last year. I think it's... Uh, uh, but anyway, so that's part of that 99 or 100%, right? I mean, you know, and I tell people that a lot of times. I say, listen, I can't say every now because I did miss one week. So anyway, but here we go. Psalms 1-3, and it says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So how do we get to the place where we are found producing fruit at all times? In the previous scripture, we find where a man is called blessed if he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In order to be in a place to produce, we must first be found in a place where we are being fed. If we aren't fed right, then we aren't going to produce right. Every day that we live is a day for us to produce. Most things only produce during their season. We are told to be instant in season and out of season. So I believe that means we should be producing no matter what season we are going through. I delight in doing the things that God has called me to do. If we meditate on the Lord day and night and continue to stay planted by the river of life, then we shall prosper in any time, any kind of season. Be strong, stay strong, we strong. So, I mean, that reminds me of a song that uh, we uh, used to hear here when I was a kid, planted like a tree by the river of life, and I got my roots going down, down, down. I don't know if you ever heard that old song or not, but anyway, that's a song that I remember as a teenager being here at Bethel that they sang. And, I mean, uh, so for whatever reason, it's all about when I think about the Word of God, one of the actually parables that really sticks out of me at all times is john 15 john 15 is probably my favorite uh chapter of the bible talking about the tree and the branches and you know the vine and if you don't produce it's like listen if you produce a little bit i'm gonna prune you i'm gonna let you grow but if you're not i think it goes along with what we've been talking about all or nothing this morning you know you're all in and i believe that that's how we need to continue to be and in order for us to be planted and continue to grow we must be fed as well even as later sometimes brother aaron knows this i mean you know him uh, he says you know there's a time that i need to be fed 
just like you were saying, I don't really want to get into a, I think you said a trivia or maybe a verse by verse, you know, speaking this or speaking that. But when he gets into that situation or that area of when he's talking about Sister Gretchen, Sister Jerry, Brother Denny, then that's a time that he can be really fed. And I'm thankful we have people within our churches as leaders that we can be fed by. Mm-hmm. See, because if you're the only one always giving out and never being fed, then I believe there's kind of be a little a little problem there, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Because we need people within our churches that can be able to produce fruit in a way that will feed you, that will grow you. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. we're living in a life right now that if we don't if we don't show people who Jesus is by our actions and by our life, then who's going to? Yeah. And I'm thankful that there's people in our life that, you know, that is doing the things that the Lord has called us to do. And I told them the other day, I said, you know, I've been here lately. I've been here uh, trying to pray about people that I went to school with, you know, even my senior class. And I kind of said it kind of jokingly, but I meant it. You know, it's, you know, a lot of people, if they say, well, I'm going to pray for my entire senior class. I guarantee a lot of people can't name them all, but I'm thankful I can, <laughs> you know, because I have, you know, I think I graduated with seven. And so, you know, it seems like here lately that I've been thinking about those that I graduated with that I've been praying for a little bit to be able to uh, maybe wherever they're at in their life. Because some of them I do know, but some of them I don't know. I don't know what they're doing or where they're at. So, I mean, Lord, if they're not doing your will, if they're not doing the things that you've called them to do. Bring back to remembrance what you've done for them in the past, that they may feel your anointing in their life time, another yeah. time, another season. So, And that's big because we can be doing, we talk about this a lot, we can be doing good things, yep. but are they the things that God wants us to do? Right. Are they godly things that yep. the direction that he's created us to go in? Yep. Um, and are we stewarding the the anointing that he's given us are we stewarding stewarding the gift that he gave us to be able to produce fruit or are we doing our own thing yeah or what we thought was was right 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 that's good yeah that's good so i mean because i know that uh you know we always think about how much labor intensive it is actually when producing time comes You know, you think about how much, you know, it is when harvest season is. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. that we have plant, we have people that are, uh, that are harvesting beans and different things right now because they're trying to get it all in. There was a time there where they planted and they had to wait. And now that's harvest time. Yeah. See, but I believe that in the kingdom of God, if we understanding that harvest time is all the time. You see, but we get a mindset sometimes how, well, it's just, um, we're just in a uh, spot right now where we're just learning. We're just, you know, being ready. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. But still yet, if we can have the mindset of every time is harvest time, just like we're going into winter. We're going into winter now. A lot of times what happens is when it's cold, when it's nasty out, when it's snowy out, I'm not saying put yourself in danger. But what I'm saying is those can become more excuses of why we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. because you get complacent you get you get in a place where you know i've for many years i worked out and you know even now I work outside but many more many years previous it was more demanding for me to always be there for me to always you know work in whatever condition it is 
And see, oftentimes it's easy for me to make that as an excuse, but I never allow those elements around me to make excuse for me to miss church or me to miss an opportunity to do the things of God. And see, why is that? Because all the times, if you're planted by the rivers of living water, you will always be producing something that will be pleasing unto him. And if it's not pleasing unto him, what's he going to do? He's going to prune you to the way. And eventually, if you continue to do that, it's going to be cut out. And I want the Lord. And that's what I want to do, even in my walk with the Lord now. If there's anything not like you, Lord, I want you to expose it and to cut it out of my life. You know, and I'm thankful that we can... That that's still our prayer. That's yeah. still our prayer. So, you know, I was just thinking about how you were talking about the importance of bearing, producing fruit, and then also the importance of you know others being able to eat of that fruit yeah. that we're producing. That's why it's so important because we're producing it for others. We're right. not we're not just producing it for ourselves. But I was thinking about you said that we needed to be fed. The ones that are producing, all of us that are producing, yeah. still need to be fed. I was just thinking about how a plant is fed, you know, like the water, like watering and without water, you can't keep producing fruit. So, and I mean, Paul talks about that some plant, some water, and we need to be watered by those ones that have gone before us and that have been, um, seasoned and that have been walking this out and have wisdom to water us with, have encouragement. We need to yeah. be watering each other with encouragement yeah. because that's what will sustain us to be able to keep producing. Yep. Because a lot of times I think we are lacking encouragement a lot. Yep. We're lacking that wisdom. We're lacking just love, watering each other with love. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes why things start to um in people's lives maybe slow down. The production slows down because there's some underlying missing there's a need there. Whether it's a need for an encouraging word, a need for love, a need for a converse, a loving conversation to mend a re- broken relationship or miscommunication, you know, all of yeah. these things can either if we don't have what we need, put a stop to our producing the fruit in mm-hmm. our ministry, in our life, in our family, or it can increase our production because we're getting that watering from one another in the body That's of right. Christ. Yep. And I know with the season coming up too, of course, we're going to continue to be with family. Like I told you guys earlier, every weekend from here for the rest of the year, I'm going to be in some kind of family function, you know, where we get together. Yeah. So, I mean, and I want my life to be rooted in him. So, I mean, if the opportunity comes out for me to speak to some of the ones that I've been praying for, that I want that to happen that I want to be able to be a witness. I'm not there to cause any kind of tension or nothing, but I'm there to be in the presence of my family. But inside of me, I want to be in the presence of God. So be ready to give an answer. Be ready to speak when I need to speak. And also, though, be ready to be quiet when I need to be quiet. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what we need to do. That's good. And, you know, you you said something earlier, and you were talking about, seasons yeah and maybe it's not the season for this or maybe it's not the season for that and i think sometimes we use the there's a season for everything as excuse for seasons of laziness and seasons of unproductivity i agree i don't think i don't think the lord ever intends for any season to be unfruitful that's good Aaron. That's i good. think there's tough things that happens in other seasons and every yeah. season's not going to look right 
but the seasonal theology has to start to cease a little bit yep. because, you know, Jesus changed everything. There yep. is not an in and out. Now we walk with him. He has made us one. Bring us one into you. And so even if we're going through a trial, we find joy. Come on. Even if we're going through a rough time, he's still with us. Come on. Um, and I think this ideology that there's some seasons that's going to be unproductive I think it's almost a manipulation of the scripture and the enemy using that to twist it at this point, because even the wilderness that we consider very much isolation was never about isolation because in the wilderness is where a lot of people saw God. Yeah. Because it took them away from the distraction. Come on now. So even your wilderness season is probably the most productive seasons. And we've got to stop letting productivity be marked by what the American dream says it should be yeah. and let productivity be based upon what the scripture tells us it should Amen. be. Amen. Amen. And so yep. I liked what you said there because you well, were talking about seasonal. And I think you talk about how getting a, our mindset around what actually being productive is, you know, what the world thinks. If you got this, if you got that, if you got that. But I've probably heard it more so in the last six months than I've ever heard it. Mm-hmm. about people talking about how things just don't mean nothing to them anymore. Yeah. How what really matters is your time together with family and your your walk with the Lord and being with the church family, you know, and all this other stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, it just don't mean nothing to you anymore. Yeah. Because what means to you is health and strength and, you know, being with one another and being with family. That's why, you know, I'm a, I'm a, um, I, I told somebody the other day, I'm a family guy. I said, and I'm not even talking about the show either. You know, and because I hope you're not talking about the show because, you know, I, you know, I mean, but see, for the mindset, though, that's what a lot of people. But see, I want to be a guy that is actually because I'm a family guy is because of Jesus, mm-hmm. because of how he instituted us to be as a family. And I'm thankful for those moments. Well, Jesus is a family guy. So therefore we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just not the show. Um, no, not the show. <laughs> But, you know, and my my wife said something here that I really, you know, I always want to say stuff for her. But I mean, when she tells me because I mean, for real, this is a she said, that's why through all my cancer diagnosis and feeling pretty crummy, to be honest with you, since 2013, I never hardly let it get me down. I never quit coming to church, no matter how bad I felt. I could have laid down and just gave up. But no way. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) she added this. and I'm going to say it. She says it just seems like sometimes people just get a little cold or something and it just, just let it get the best of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about perspective. And, you know, and I've actually used her testimony to a lot of people before about how don't allow it to consume you in a way where it destroys you. I say, you know, one time, yeah. You think, all right, I'm past it. But then two times, yeah. All right, then she got passed again. Three times, yeah. And to be honest with you, she finds out uh, she done a CT scan this past Friday because her blood levels are up. They're up. I mean, you know, everybody says, put your faith in God. Hey, that's all she's done for the last 10 years because mm-hmm. she's battled it three times. But according to her blood test, her blood levels, it's up again, mm-hmm. which means that it's back for the fourth time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she did have a CT scan. And so we'll find out more about that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If the CT scan don't show nothing, we're probably not going to be doing nothing. Yeah. But, I mean, we're still believing. And she's still trusting the Lord. And like I said, just just her being in church, you know, and her being faithful and true, and then somebody come come up and say, well, just have faith in God. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been here ever since all those diagnoses. 
and some of the same ones that tell her this, Brother Aaron, and they may or may not be listening this morning, but some or some may not tell that. It's some of the same ones that have telling her to have faith in God and then stay at home because they have a sneeze. Mm-hmm. I'm not being rude. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just being trying to be as truthful as I can, you know, and telling, hey, and when somebody t- just, I mean, if anybody's had faith in God the last 10 years, it's my wife, and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, is just surrounding the whole issue of devotedness, commitment. Um, We we teach a gospel of honestly, we teach a gospel of excuses. We excuse everything. Yes. And 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 I think some of it, I think there's a lot of reasons. I don't think you can nail down one reason. For example, we're afraid to sometimes preach standards because cult leaders have manipulated standards. So we don't want to be a cult leader. We don't want to be religious. We don't want to be legalist. We don't want to be all of this, and we don't want to make anything. We want everybody. I am, from the bottom of my heart, I am so thankful I didn't grow up in participation trophies. I am very thankful I didn't grow up in participation trophies because I needed to know what it was like to lose and bounce back. Yeah, I needed to know what it was like to work hard. I needed to know all of that because it created this fortitude and and this push to go forward. Now, that can be a blessing or it can be a curse. I do understand that. But at the end of the day, we have a generation now that have grown to be so entitled. And they 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 deserve this. They do this and they do this. And, and I think we even take that mentality into our walk with Christ because yeah. Christ died for us on the cross and he's made the way and it was his righteousness, it was his grace, and it was all this. So... Now it's not my works that save me. It's not my works that keep me. It's all him. So we think we're just out of this. We don't have no skin in the game. We just do what we want. Now we create this sloppy grace theology that we just do whatever, whenever. And so now we have no drive. We have no push. And and I, I think all of this seeps together. And I think the natural and the physical and the spiritual are not too far apart most of the time. Yeah. And so what we've got to do is not just reverse the course in society on entitlism and I don't even know if that's a word. I don't know how you say it, but I'm saying it like that. Um, I got the mic, so I can do this. <laughs> and so, but also like we've got to reverse this course in the church too. Yeah. And and realize sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves and work hard. That's right. There is seasons where you got you to gotta plow. Now, there should be a peace in your heart while you do it. Yeah. So I'm not working hard to... To please God, I'm not working hard to stay pleasing to God. I'm working hard because time is short, and I want to see God's glory cover the earth. And so whatever I do, I want to do it for his glory. Yes. But you can't sit on the bench and expect to win the game. That's right. And we win because he wins, but I don't want to get to heaven, and I don't want to stand before God, and then everything I've done burn up in the hay stubble. Yeah. Or worse than that, I don't want to get to heaven. And I heard somebody say this the other day because imagine you're standing behind somebody like an A.W. Tozer or a Billy Graham or or um, A.W. Pink or E.M. Bounds or all these great men of God throughout the history. And they're standing before God and they're doing and the Lord's testing because the things we're the things we're judged for as believers is not sin. The sin has been forgotten. The sin has been covered. You won't stand before God with your sin. The Come sin on. has been blood. It's Come been on. washed by the blood. What you're standing before God with is your works. Yeah. And what you've done for him. 
And imagine standing before God next to somebody like a Charles Spurgeon or Billy Graham, and they're, you know, sharing what they've done for the kingdom. Yeah. And all you can say is, I went to church. Wow. I preached a couple of sermons. Yeah. Did you see anybody come to Christ? Well, I was always too scared to tell them. I was yep. always too scared. I was always too nervous. I was always this. I was always that. Excuses may get you somewhere in the earth. Right. But excuses won't get you nowhere. That's it. In heaven. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that's going to keep you out of heaven because I don't think it will. It's, it's, we're, not, we're not earning our way into heaven. What I'm saying is, you know, I don't want to be caught in that area yep. of where I have nothing to give him. Come on now. Yep. I have nothing to lay at his feet because I don't want to get up there and have no crowns to toss down. That's right. I want to have a lot to just lay at his feet and say, you were worthy yeah. of every second. Yeah. You were ever, you are worthy of every sweat. You are yep. worthy of every awkward conversation. You are worthy. Yeah. And I feel like we've kind of dragged this thing into what we see as entitlement in the earth, we're, we're going into our spiritual walk with Christ with that same kind of entitlement. Yep, exactly. You used to talk about participation trophies. I'm glad I didn't uh, grow up in that era, I guess you could say. And I mean, as well as I am too, but I remember my senior year, you know, we had basketball. We, that's what we had around here was basketball. But I remember a uh, so, uh, guy I graduated with that was the best player on our team that year. That was Jason, Jason Lucas. And uh, anyway, he got the MVP of the team. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that means that you know, being MVP, that means you can do a little bit of everything. But I remember, I did beat him out on free throw percentage, and there was a, and he was actually aggravated. I said, "You got the MVP." He said, "I know," but that means I should be the best at everything. He said that he was saying that, "Hey, listen, just because I don't got MVP, I'm not settled in that." He said, "I'm aggravated. I didn't beat you in free throw percentage." <laughs> You know, because he knows that, hey, because everything that I give is 110%. Uh-huh. Don't be settled just because you're MVP. Or don't be settled just because you got the 110% award on defense or something like that. But just to know in everything you do, give it your all. And just the little things or the big things, be aggravated because you didn't reach the potential you were supposed to be reaching. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that, you know. so. And I know we got to go to break and yeah. get uh, – uh, Yeah. Brother Steve in here. I'm so excited for conversations to already happen. But, you know, we take the same kind of philosophy. This is, to me, participation trophies. Oh, they're going to, I'm going to make some people mad. Uh, It's okay, though. (laughs) That's why you're getting ready to go break for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, I got to go break so people can calm down before I say anything else. Do you know what? I I really do believe this. And I could be way wrong on this. And um, Senator Meredith, he he is welcome to rebuke me when he gets in here. There you go. Yep. I think that the participation trophy generation was a conditioning for socialism in a lot of areas. And this is why you don't have to work hard. You can run off of somebody else's work. Yeah. And, and what you were saying, if a lot of people is okay with not giving 110%, because if they give 70, they'll just take 30 off for somebody else. Yeah. And that's what socialism produces. That's what Marxism's produced. That's what these things, and this is what's seeping into the church. Yes. That's what's seeping into the church. And this is why it's so important. This is why people probably, Bethel's probably sick of me hearing hearing me say this by this point, but this is why it's so important for everybody to do what they're called to do. Yeah. I may be called to preach on Sunday morning, but I can't do everything. And if there's something missing, there's a misfire in the body. And I can't, you can't, you, I can't make it up. So if I'm missing something I'm supposed to be doing, somebody else, it's missing. 
It's missing. Well, what we think happens is somebody else just makes it up. And and this is this is a problem not just in society. This is a problem in the church too. Yeah. And it's this socialism type mentality. And it's it's I don't think it's no coincidence that all this feeds into each other. Yep. Into the church, into the natural, into politics, into government. It's because it's the it's the persuasion of the enemy to get us lazy, apathetic, and and across the board. And we're gonna reverse this course by the goodness of God. And I gotta I know we gotta go to break. I know I gotta say this one last thing. I think a lot of it was produced by the absence of fathers. Come on now. I think a lot of this has been produced by the fatherlessness that's been plaguing a generation. So we got to go to break. We're out. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right. We are back here on this beautiful day here on this December 5th, 2023. We are blessed and honored to have... Senator Steve Meredith on with us this morning. How are you doing, my friend? Blessed beyond measure. Another day in paradise. <laughs> truly is. Hey, man. God's good. That's right. And it's always a joy to have you on with us. Um, this is probably about the third or fourth time we've had the blessing to do this. And I always enjoy Brother Steve being on here with us. So let's get right into it, though. Um, General Assembly coming up here. Uh, you said January 2nd? January 2nd. So earliest yeah. uh, we've ever gone in. You know, we're set by our Constitution. It's always the the first uh, Tuesday after the first Monday. So wow, uh, right there at it. Gonna be <laughs> just jump right into it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm jumping right in because I don't want to waste any time this morning. Tell us a little bit about some of the the bills, the maybe the ones that are probably prominent and the ones that you know is coming up, kind of behind the scenes that we should hear about that we may not be hearing about. Well, uh, it's a matter of coincidence, just this last week, uh, we had our Kentucky Senate Republican Caucus planning retreat in Pikeville, Kentucky, and um, uh, covered a lot of territory in two and a half days. And this is a budget session, so that's going to consume the biggest part of the budget. And this will be my eighth session, my uh, third budget session. Uh, and I think it'll probably be the most um, demanding that I've ever experienced. And Unfortunately, I'm not on appropriation of revenue, which was responsible for establishing the budget. It used to be, but we have this strange rule in the Senate that once you become a, a committee chair, you can no longer serve on uh, appropriation of revenue. And the rationale behind that is because you're so busy running your committees, you don't have time to help work with the budget. Because when we're in session uh, during those even number of years when we set the budget, being on the appropriation revenue is the most labor-intensive thing you've ever seen in your life because after we end the session each day, then that committee goes behind a closed door to negotiate the budget for the um, for the next biennial period. So very, very uh, time-consuming. So that's going to obviously be the, the biggest part of our agenda. We expect the House to release the budget probably the second week of, of January when we return. And then uh, they'll take time to negotiate it, which they've been doing for the last um, several weeks anyway. Then it'll come over to the Senate. We'll make changes to it. Then it'll go back to the House, and uh, they'll either concur with our changes or we'll have to have a special committee to uh, negotiate those things. But when we finalize the budget, then it goes to the governor for his signature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you chair the health services. Is there anything coming out of there this year that would be – 
pivotal. Um, I know you've done a lot of work into the family services as well. So I'm just curious of if there's anything new coming out of that this session. There is, and it's constant and ongoing. And, you know, obviously with my background on health care, it's the thing that captures my attention the most. So particularly with the state of health care in Kentucky and America right now, when I went to the Senate in 2017, our Medicaid budget was $10 billion, and we were serving 1.4 million of our population. And I said then, it's as big as it ever should be. If we spend our money wisely, improve the health of our population, get people back to gainful employment, we don't need any more money in Medicaid. So roll it forward. This next budget session, I think it's going to hit $17 billion. Wow. And now we've got 1.7 million of our population on Medicaid. And kind of put that in perspective, our neighbors to the south, Tennessee, which has almost the double the population that we have, they have 1.7 million of their population on Medicaid as well. Wow. So we've got the reverse trend, not just because of the budget implications, but nationally. You know, we're spending two to three times more than other industrialized nations on health care. Uh, kind of to put it in perspective, we're spending about $13,000 per capita in this nation on health care. The next closest nation is Germany that spends 7000 per capita. And you look at all the other industrialized nations, China, which is uh, our biggest economic competitor, they spend right at $600 per capita. Wow. wow. We cannot continue on this trajectory and be competitive in an international um, market. Yeah. There's no way that the, our products can be sold at a competitively priced uh, vantage point if we don't control healthcare costs. And there's opportunities to do that. We spend enough money to take care of everyone if we spend it the right way. And that's my focus during this next session of Central Kentucky. And unfortunately, I think rural communities uh, were discriminated against. I don't think we get our fair share. And if we did, I think we could significantly improve the health of the population. And keeping people healthy is a whole lot less expensive than treating sick people. Mm -hmm. So I've got several bills of focus on that. And, and one, I'm not sure whether I'll file it or someone else, but I've made a commitment that I would do it. This is a bill to uh, control the prescription benefit managers, which has become more and more of a player in the cost of prescription drugs in the United States. Mm -hmm. And we've got to reel those folks in. Yeah. Uh, most recently, I think it's two years ago, we passed Senate Bill 50, which at that time our Medicaid program had six prescription benefit managers, PBMs, that were uh, in charge of prescription drugs for our Medicaid population. And we knew that that was too many, that uh, they weren't doing the jobs they're supposed to be doing. So we passed a bill for a single prescription benefit manager to handle the Medicaid program. And uh, we just got the report for the savings. For our state, it's in excess of $50 million. And when you figure in the federal match, it's about $285 million we've been able to save from going six PBMs, prescription benefit managers, to one. So I'm looking for the same thing for the administration of the program. You know, Medicaid uh, is a managed care program, meaning that the insurance companies have total control over the dollars. And we have six managed care organizations administering a program. Federal government requires two. And I've had a bill for the last several years to limit to the three. Ironically, Tennessee has three. So there'll be tremendous savings for rural providers and small health care providers and savings. Because imagine running any business we have six different sets of rules you've got to follow, and very few of them are consistent with each other. 
So it's a bureaucracy that's injected healthcare that just it doesn't bring any value to the system. Mm-hmm. That's another problem with healthcare in America is we're spending over thirty cents of every dollar just on the administration of healthcare, double what other industrialized nations are doing. So we have to change that. So I've committed to um, carrying legislation that would limit uh, PBM activity and rebates for prescription drugs, which the PBMs currently receive, those would go to the consumer at point of sale because we've got to reduce the cost of prescription medicine for our senior citizens and just families in general, and this would help do it. So I'm going to do that. I have a bill to limit the number of MCOs, and one that uh, just came up in the last couple of weeks is, again, you know, 40% of our population in Kentucky is rural, but only 10% of our primary care physicians or in rural Kentucky, mm-hmm. and we got to change that dynamic. So um, we passed a bill back in 2008, long before I came to the legislature, that created a trauma network for Kentucky, and we never funded it. We have a trauma board that has a, a minuscule budget, um, probably about a half a million dollars that's funded through private donations, and they've asked for years to provide funding for a trauma network, and they've come to me uh, once again to try to do this not asking for an appropriation, not asking for uh, any tax dollars. We plan to fund this by what they call a super speeder bill because this is what Georgia has done to fund their trauma network. And in Georgia, it equates to about $20 million a a year in fines for super speeders. A super speeder is anybody that's going 20 miles over the speed limit uh, in any particular area. And uh, they're using that to fund their trauma network. Obviously, I don't think we'll generate 20 million. I think probably be closer, maybe to 10 million. I hope. But what I've asked for is a portion of that. 10% of it would go to this trauma board, which kind of coordinates all the trauma activity uh, across Kentucky, and the balance of it would go into a fund for rural hospitals in rural communities to allow them to establish uh, new designation for hospitals called rural emergency hospitals. And you'd be surprised at the number of counties in Kentucky that have no medical facilities like this whatsoever. Yeah. So this money would go into this fund. The most disadvantaged communities could apply to this fund to get funding to build um, rural emergency hospitals. And it would just be limited to that, no inpatient beds. But it could also use be for an ambulatory care center to help recruit primary care physicians to Kentucky. So I'm excited about that bill. But, you know, the, the odds of getting a bill passed on legislative sessions is about 15 to 20 percent. Wow. Because, uh, again, whether we're there 30 to 60 days, there's going to be just tons and tons of bills. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if during the 60-day session we don't have 1,200, 1,300 bills that will be filed. Man. And we pass on the average about uh, 175. Because, again, the bandwidth to get legislation passes is very, very slim. So it's very uh, competitive in, in nature. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess when you're doing that, Steve, you you uh, get those bills, but there's a certain amount of bills that have to be really, really, really looked at, right? As far do. as the budget, like the budget and all that. Take yep. a big part of it. And, okay. Uh, I tell people just it's frustrating for uh, us people who live in the real world because uh, you know our thinking is you see a problem, you fix a problem. Yeah. In Frankfurt, you see a problem, you file a bill, and you hope it's going to get assigned to a committee. And you hope you get a hearing in committee. You oh. hope it gets voted out of committee. If it gets voted out of committee, then you hope you get a vote on the on the floor. If it's passed on the Senate floor, process starts all over again in the House. Mm-hmm. So it's a very competitive um, process that you got to go through and very challenging. And 
Uh, we have 138 legislators, so I can assure you there are 138 different agendas and priorities as to what we should do. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, we tried to pass to establish a, like a top 10 list of the most important things to do. Some things you just naturally gravitate to the top, but the rest of them, it's pretty much a free-for-all. That's why the last couple of weeks of the session before we go into the veto period is so hectic because we're trying to pass legislation at the last moment. And it's coming left and right, and uh, it's, it's, it's challenging. Because, again, even though we may pass a bill overwhelmingly in the Senate, there's no guarantee that the House will, will hear it at all. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, again, a lot of competition, and lobbyists are working very hard, and that's what they earn their money for is try to push legislation along. So it's going to be challenging. Wow. The, the budget in particular, again, I think it will be the most demanding one we've ever had. Um, our budget is about $30 billion dollars. And I've heard, haven't been substantiated, but the, the financial ask from various groups for this next session is in excess of $100 billion. So we're going to have to take some strong priorities. And what's really distorted the budget process for us is over uh, the last two or three years, a lot of uh, groups have had to rely on COVID funding for the federal government for operations. That's going away. So now they're asking us to step up and provide that money and we just don't have those resources yeah because we're already trying to make the transition out of a no state income tax so we're trying to balance this out anyways and get um you know balance enough to where we can do just the usage tax and i as far as i understand that's still we went to four percent this year is that correct this uh, coming year uh we'll go to three and a half percent uh in january so yeah that's four percent we're look we didn't hit the trigger for three and a half percent but you know, during my time in office, that's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is to reduce personal income tax by 33%. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a victory for everybody. So it is. We are continuing to try to march towards having zero income tax like uh, the state of Tennessee does. But we won't make it this next year because we didn't hit the trigger points. But we're close. So we're still committed to it. But we've got to continue to grow our economy. Yeah. That's why I think in terms of budget priorities for the next year, It'll probably be focused upon education, workforce development. It has to be to get people into gainful employment and get people back to work. So you believe it will get there. It's just a matter of time to get it to that point. We're fully committed to this thing because we've seen what it has done to our economy over the last uh, three, four years that we've had this in place. It's grown our economy. That's the major driver for the uh, economic expansion we have seen, and, and we have to do it. But the, the flying the ointment, so to speak, right now is, again, this COVID funding that's dry and drying up and people looking for other resources to um, um, fund their operations. Wow. Yeah. We'll have to deal with the um, child care situation because that's one industry that relied heavily on COVID funding. And uh, obviously we can't have a, an engaged workforce unless we have good child care to uh, take care of our, our children. Mm-hmm. And I heard uh, the highest ask I've heard from that group is $500 million. And that would be the, probably the largest single appropriation request that, that I've ever been aware of. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's let's move away from an assembly for a minute and let's get some thoughts from um, a month, almost a full month. Well, actually, just, just about a full month post-election. What's your thoughts? You know, I was uh, disappointed in the gubernatorial race. Um, obviously the rest of Republican candidates did very well uh, in my five county district it kind of tells the tale each constitutional officer won their elections by 70% compared to, to 30% for the opposition except for Attorney General Daniel Cameron and he won every county but it was 
40. So uh, I really can't. Um, that's right here in rural Kentucky. Just rural Kentucky. It's that's my district is Meade, Breckenridge, yep. Grayson, Butler, and Ohio counties. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty much a tale across the state. Uh, everywhere, uh, the other constitutional officers did better than uh, uh, Attorney General Cameron. She was wow. disappointed. But, you know, the reality of the situation is, uh, and I'm thinking here of the late uh, Senator Joe Wright. That gentleman did not get enough credit for what he did for the current structure of our government, the way it works. When he was elected back in the 70s, the governor was almost like a dictator. Really, no exaggeration. When you came into session, the governor gave you the list of bills that you were going to pass, and that was it. And Senator Joe Wright, the late Senator Joe Wright, along some other legislators who became known as the Black Sheep Squadron, said, no, I wasn't elected to do the governor's bidding. I was elected to do the, the bidding of my constituents. Mm-hmm. And they restructured uh, the legislature, also notably in the Senate. It used to be that the, the um, uh, lieutenant governor was president of the Senate. They said, no, that's coming from the executive branch. We don't need that. So now our president of the Senate is elected from our body, which it should be. And we've exerted the uh, legislative independence that uh, it's needed for a balanced government. You know, that's primary reason why the House uh, released their budget this last session before the governor did. Historically, the governor did it first, and then the House, and then it comes over to the Senate. And uh, they did theirs first. So with a supermajority in the House and Senate of Republicans, you know, we've got 80 uh, House members out of 100 in the House, and we have uh, 31 in the Senate. The governor, and, and this sounds rather harsh, I don't mean it that way, but the governor, whoever's governor, really isn't relevant because, again, we have control of the budget process. We have control of the, the legislative process. And you know, the governor is supposed to be the chief operating officer of, of the state. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to implement the laws that we pass. And uh, we have not seen that from this current governor. Matter of fact, he has no relationship with our legislature whatsoever, hasn't made an attempt to. So uh, he's kind of the outside looking in. Our life would have been a whole lot easier, legislatively speaking, if uh, Daniel Cameron had won the governor's office, but he didn't. So we'll pretty much see for the next four years what we've seen these past four years. A disengaged governor who doesn't work with us on establishing any kind of priorities, and we'll deal with it. But we understand that we're the leaders of the state and we'll act accordingly. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I think, like, how do you uh, – that's difficult. <laughs> I'm trying to filter. I want to make sure I word this right. Um, how, how much does it hurt the state at that point when you have a governor that's disaffiliated with the legislator? That's a fair question, a good way to put it. Uh, it slows us down. But, again, you look at what we've accomplished uh, since I've been in the Senate in 2017. It's been transformational. All the things that we have done to be pro-family, pro-business uh, is generating this uh, incredible economic growth we're seeing now. And I know the current governor in the last two years has been handing out checks left and right to different communities for various projects, but those are all Republican initiatives. You know, the one most uh, notable to me is broadband expansion, which we knew we had to have. It was certainly highlighted when uh, COVID hit us, but in his uh, original budget, I think he allocated $50 million for uh, uh, broadband expansion. Obviously, $50 million is nothing uh, mm-hmm. trying to put this in place. Our commitment was $350 million. Wow. And uh, I think you've seen the results of that. 
So we're getting that infrastructure in place. Uh, you know, we've invested in a lot of uh, water projects. Um, highways are still going. So um, we will still advance this state. Yeah. But the bump in the road is one a governor who doesn't want to engage with us, and secondly, uh, people who had to rely on the COVID funding for their operations and how they're going to adjust to that in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the biggest plays I've seen in this governor race um, that just happened was that the turnout was not good. <laughs> um, even in the primary is worse, for, of course, but there's a lot of ignorance going on in the state, and not stupidity, not anything like that. It's just not knowing. And so even what you were saying there with the $50 million in the original governor budget and 350 is where you got to with the Republican legislator, how do we get better at getting correct information out to the public? Because I will say in this government, in this governor election, that was one thing the people didn't feel. They didn't feel like involved. I heard this from a lot of people. They didn't, you know, like the, the uh, Attorney General Cameron kept getting you know, all of these abortion things out with him. And I didn't feel like we got much response. So how do we get better with information, um, you know, educating the public, really getting out there what's going on, especially to younger people, Generation Z and millennials who are younger, but they still have a vote. And they're going to, they're if if the Republican Party is going to keep growing and we're going to start getting back governmental elections and stuff like that you're going to have to do that so how do we get that done well it's going to be a challenge i'll, I'll be quite frank about that uh, because the message is handled by the uh, the media certainly you folks do a good job but on the national stage uh, they will not carry uh, the successes or the agenda of the republican party you just don't hear it and there's some great solutions to issues uh, one most notable comes to mind is our border situation and uh, the Democrat Party has not handled that at all. They continue to ignore it. To me, it's not uh, just a border crisis. It's an invasion of our country. And I think, quite literally, we need to have our troops on the border because it is an invasion. But you won't hear that from the Democrat administration. But, again, all these issues that um, are facing our nation right now, the national media does not spin it the way that it needs to be. I heard a recent poll as part of our planning retreat uh, last week was a national poster about what are the issues affecting Americans, and the biggest, obviously, is uh, inflation mm-hmm. and how that's crushing working families in America, and particularly in Kentucky. You really don't hear a lot of criticism of the president's um, economic policies, Bidenomics, which we call it, and he's directly responsible for what we're seeing right now. You know, inflation. Uh, is always there but what makes it more pronounced is when the federal government prints money mm-hmm. and that's what they did during covid and inflation truly is nothing more than a hidden tax on the the, the american public and people need to understand that that it's driven by fiscal policy and the president had poor fiscal policy if we want to get our house back in order we need to focus on the things that are creating this to begin with uh, most notable government spending which just continues to go out of the way uh, growing astronomically, you know, in the state legislature, it's a little bit easier because we have to have a balanced budget. Uh, we don't have the opportunity to print money like the federal government does. So what we uh, receive, we have to spend wisely. We could do a better job. And I can assure you, there's still waste in state government, but nothing in the magnitude of the federal government. So it goes back to economic policy. 
you know, one in particular that I, I can think of, and it's another bill that I'll probably have this next session, is I'm a co-chair of, of a committee called Government Contract Review. And supposedly we uh, see all the government contracts that come across the state. I say supposedly because I have my suspicions, but um, one we've dealt with last two or three years is a federal grant that uh, we have to approve that um, places diversity, equity, and inclusion in our public school system. And uh, the Kentucky Board of Education has established nine regional DEI coordinators, diversity, equity, and inclusion coordinators, uh, based on a federal grant they've received, $3 million, that's going to expire in 2024. And these are six-figure positions that uh, we're placing within our school systems, and their job is to obviously advance the DEI agenda. And I'm saying, we, well, I've asked the question, what happens when this uh, federal grant expires in 2024? And they kind of roll their eyes at me and um, say, well, um, we'll find something else for these people to do, which we know is not the truth. They're going to continue, but it's going to be funded by Kentucky tax dollars. Uh -huh. So a bill I'm going to file this next session says that you can't use any public funding to advance uh, diversity, equity, and uh, inclusion uh, agenda into our school systems or any other social engineering um, policy and, and practices that is, is currently on the horizon. We've got to get back to basics to teaching math and science and reading and writing rather than spending valuable resources on uh, social engineering. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed it. we got just a minute left here. Um, Senator Meredith, tell, them, tell us as listeners and as just um, the body – how we can pray for you and the legislative movement into January. Well, I'd suggest using the same prayer that, that I have every day is, uh, dear Lord, you're an all-knowing God, and you know uh, what our nation and our world is facing right now. For the United States in particular, the problems are sin today because we've turned from God. So I ask him for forgiveness. I beg him not to forsake us, but send us the leaders that we need to unite our nations and make us a shining example for democracy and Christian values for the rest of the world to see. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, uh, the, the scripture says, if we will humble ourselves, if we'll turn from our evil ways, he will hear our prayers and heal our nation. So I think that's the prayer that each and every one of us have to say each and every day. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for your service. Thank you for serving our great state, and um, we appreciate and honor you tremendously for doing that. Well, everybody else, we're off today. Um, we are thankful that you give us your ear two hours every single weekday morning. We're humbled. We're grateful. We're honored by it. We love you so much. Miss Hannah, any words? Just keep on praying. Keep on praying. And we'll be praying for our legislators that go into session again on January the 2nd, 60-day um, session this, this year, coming year. And we'll be praying for our state. Love you guys. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.